This is Millennially Speaking, my personal soapbox about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer. This week, we're talking about the ongoing impeachment process, a new mall in North Jersey, and an update on the college admissions scandal. First, what I want to talk about is the ongoing impeachment inquiry into President Trump. So I don't want to get into all of the a lot of the information and the the fact finding that's happening right now, because a lot of that can change really quickly. And again, I don't like when my podcast can be instantly made uh, old. So I, I don't want to get too deep into that. But what I do want to talk about is sort of the process that is ongoing right now. So the impeachment inquiry officially began a few weeks ago. I think we're almost almost at five weeks. We're, I think we're four weeks into it now at this point. But there's been a lot, and, and this process is going pretty quickly. There's some speculation and there's some argument about whether or not the impeachment process has officially begun yet or not because Nancy Pelosi did not hold an official vote in the House to start the impeachment process, which... There's some schools of thought that say that because of precedent, that that is how you officially begin an inquiry. However, it's not unconstitutional because the Constitution is very vague about how the process works. The process, basically the entire, the rules of the process are made up by the House. And they can run the process however they'd like. So, while by precedent there has been no vote and that sort of is what makes it begin, nobody has really said that that must happen for it to be official. So for all intents and purposes, the impeachment inquiry is on. And there's been a lot of complaining lately from Republicans about how the process is going. So since it began and since the fact-finding process began, Democrats have been holding closed-door meetings. And most recently, there was a this week, a big fight and a, a big outburst from Republicans who actually stormed a meeting, a closed door, closed session meeting where there was questioning going on and it ended up delaying that questioning by about five hours because it's a secure location. So and, and they brought in electronic devices, phones and things that weren't supposed to be there. Um, so, so not only did it interrupt the main you know, just actually sitting down and, and being in a quiet room, but also the fact that it was now unsecure. So it took about five hours to get that process back on track. But it turns out that that entire storming the room and, and all of that, there are several key parts to that. Um, one, the the people that stormed that room are people who are not on any of the committees that are doing the questioning of witnesses, anyone that they're subpoenaing, anyone that they want to have questioning done, the people are not on those committees. So they don't really have a right to be there. Uh, there are, the committees do have bipartisan support. I mean, there's, there's people from both parties in those committees. So whether they both agree, whether both parties agree with the terms of the impeachment process, those committees and the, the people that are allowed in those meetings are the people in those certain committees. And particularly, I think it's Matt Gates of Florida. I think that's who it is. He is one of the ones that is the most vocal and the most 
I think he held a whole press conference about it, about how he he's against the entire process and that he was one of the ones that stormed the room. And I mean, I have obviously I have a problem with that. I mean, that's right there goes to the privilege of someone being in Congress that can you imagine if just a regular citizen stormed that room? Can you imagine sort of the the entire process that would have happened there? They would have obviously been arrested. Turns out the direction or the idea of this was floated past President Trump and he gave the go ahead for this storming the meeting to actually happen. So this is all part of the Republican strategy. You know, whether you agree with it or not, it is absolutely they're trying to now form around an actual plan. So previously there had been a lot of, and there, there still is a little bit right now, a little um, miscommunication or unclear what the moves and what the tactics of the Republicans were going to be, um, sort of what a narrative to sort of gather around. And because there's so many things that are coming out in the media and, and leaked testimony and things like that, it's kind of hard for them to sort of you know, come around one narrative. They've sort of changed their story a lot, whether it was, you know, there is no quid pro quo to now. So what if there was a quid pro quo, you know, the the whole Mick Mulvaney thing of, you know, we, we do this kind of stuff all the time and then walking that back. I mean, it's it's really hard to imagine that there isn't at least somebody doing something wrong that's being covered up, whether it comes from the top at President Trump or not. I mean, the, the fact that they're changing the story so much just feels inherently shady. There must, there, something has to be going on because there's no way that completely above board behavior is consistently changing the story, that, that there is no such thing as a consistent story. Anyway, so Republicans are, are definitely up in arms about these closed door meetings. So they are very unhappy with the way that the process is going. They believe it's unconstitutional. They don't think... President Trump is being given his due process that everyone in the country has. And I've said it before on this show, I think the president is definitely held to a different standard than literally anyone else in this country. I think Republicans are trying to make it seem like, well, the president is just like anybody else and he deserves the exact same due process and the exact same, you know, to be able to cross-examine and, and all of these different things, which he does deserve his day in court or his day to defend himself, but that's what happens in the Senate when, you know, after somebody is impeached, they can go to the Senate and that's when they can sort of plead their case. The president is in a very unique position where he, I mean, based on the Department of Justice guidelines, no one's really challenged it yet, but a sitting president can't be indicted. So the indictment of a president is impeachment that if you want to sort of draw the line, impeachment is that indictment and bringing forth some sort of a uh, accusation or charge. And the Senate is your trial. And that's where you get to defend yourself. So it is kind of going through the process in the correct way. You know, when a president is impeached, because it's happened so infrequently, the impeachment is that time when there are charges brought against a president and then in the Senate, that's why they can be either acquitted or found guilty, just like in any other trial. So there is a process for President Trump and it's happening. So I, I can understand for Republicans why they're upset. I do understand the there's just the optics of not being able to see what's going on. I mean, of course, if you're if you're someone that believes in the witch hunt, if you're somebody that believes that there is a shadow government that is out to get President Trump and they're doing anything that they can 
to get rid of him. Closed-door meetings certainly help with that narrative. They really do. So I can understand the optics of it. However, I can also understand from the Democrats' point of view that just like with any other sort of grand jury testimony, if you have televised or public meetings where, you know, everybody's on TV, not only are they going to be, you know, posturing in front of television because they are they know that they're on TV. That's something that Michael Cohen did. That's something that um, Mueller tried not to do. He tried really hard not to do. But when you're on TV, now you can see that uh, a testimony is going to be made public instantly. And then everybody else who was involved can now sort of get their story straight because now this is what's on the public record and everybody knows it. Now we can all sort of coalesce behind this particular narrative. So I definitely understand both sides, but in my opinion, I think the process is moving along as it should, and Trump will get his day in court, and it is the Senate trial. And I've said before, and I continue to believe it, I don't think Trump will be found guilty in the Senate. I think 100% that he'll be acquitted in the Senate, but I do think he'll be impeached. And to be honest, this is the process for which charges brought against the president are supposed to go. Everything is moving along correctly the House gets to decide how they impeach, that there's nothing unconstitutional about it. President Trump will get his due process in the Senate. And based on how things are going so far, the Senate will be extremely fair to him. We'll be right back. Did you know that Millennially Speaking is on Twitter? Check us out at underscore MS podcast. You can see things like live tweets and events some of my opinions that I just come up with that aren't connected to a show, but I want to share with the public. So again, check us out on Twitter at underscore MS podcast. We're back. And what I want to talk about next is a mall that is opening up. It actually opened up today in North Jersey. So this is called American Dream Meadowlands. And this is a mall that is almost as old as I am. And yet, it is just now finally opening. And and let me say this. It's actually not 100% open yet. It is only the amusement park inside, Nickelodeon Universe and Ice Rink, that are opening up today. So American Dream was initially proposed back as far as 1994. There were ideas to add a mall to what is referred to as the New Jersey Meadowlands. It's the sports complex up in North Jersey where you can see New York City across the water. Um, it's where the Giants, the Jets, the the New York teams, where they all play, but in New Jersey. So, I mean, uh, that's a whole other story. I would say they're the New Jersey Jets and the Jer- New Jersey Giants, but, you know, they're not my team anyway. Go Birds. But uh, the the point is that this mall has been in absolute developmental hell since really when it started back in the the early 2000s. So the fact that we're even here today and that it's opening is pretty remarkable. And even as much as a few years ago, there were some things that were stalling. You know, the the fact that this mall was caught up in some issues with, uh, there were some financing issues related to the recession. You know, that was over 10 years ago. And there was another issue with gaining capital about five years ago, and there were continuing permit issues, there were financing with different, um, being able to afford the bonds, and finally, the the amusement park that's opening today, 
That was a lease agreement with Nickelodeon to create a Nickelodeon Universe park. There's another one in the Mall of America, but that wasn't decided until 2016. So when the mall was beginning to be worked on, this was in 2003, here we are now, 2016, when the the amusement park that they're going to build in there, they're just now figuring out what it's going to be. So... I mean, there's even pictures, if you take a look at the Wikipedia page and sort of the how it was going, the mall structure was there as far back as 2009, like almost the entire structure. Um, and, and the structure has also changed incredibly since then. So one of the things that former Governor Chris Christie had said is he thinks it was the ugliest building in New Jersey, uh, potentially in the entire country. It it's unique, or it was unique, I'll say. It it had a lot of structures and a lot of weird angles and things like that. It has a ski uh, ramp inside, so this really big, tall thing that sticks up into the sky. And it had all these weird colors. So there's lots of blue patches, and there's some of these uh, orange stripes all over the place. And it was really bright and obnoxious. So as late as this past week... They were painting it and repainting the entire building, and it is now a big white blob. So the whole building is white. It looks a little modern now. It looks it looks definitely more 2019. To me, what I think is amazing is that the mall idea and the whole mall concept to build it back in the 90s, this was when malls were doing pretty well, I think, across the country. And now, by the time it finally opens... I mean, most people don't even want to go to the mall. You know, ever since the idea for a mall in North Jersey and the the Meadowlands came up, Amazon has emerged. So the the very concept in the retail apocalypse caused by malls or malls going out of favor in favor of Amazon, that whole thing came about during the development of this property. So it's almost like, is it even worth having at this point? The good thing is, uh, from what I understand, their advertising says it's about 55% retail and 45% entertainment. So there's a big focus on other stuff inside. So there's an amusement park, there's going to be a water park, there's going to be some other experiences inside that the goal is to bring people in and not necessarily contain them in shopping. There's other things to do. Um, So that's their goal. That's their hope. Hopefully in 2019, there's still a market for a mall up there. There's been a lot of concerns about it, you know, over the past decade or so with putting this mall in there. One of the big things that's talked about is traffic. So I agree. I think this is going to be a big problem. There's the mall is there. There's the sports complex and just getting to the games at the stadium, like right next door is going to be a nightmare. There is an issue with parking, so the mall charges for parking, and after a certain point, it charges event parking, which is, I believe it was like $24, and on game days, they automatically charge that game day rate. So, now there's this controversy of, you know, we waited all this time for this big dumb mall, and now we have to pay ridiculous prices for parking, so that's going to be another problem, and I don't know, you know, to me... I always love malls. I, I do enjoy going to malls, but this seems like one of those that it's like, you know, I feel for them. I feel for the the developers that were putting this together because it it really, to me, felt like, is it ever going to open? You know, I'll believe it when I say it, of seeing the American Dream open. Not only that, there actually have been several names for this property, so 
American Dream Meadowlands is sort of what they have uh, settled on, and that's what it opened as. But it was called Meadowlands Xanadu at one point. It flipped that around to Xanadu Meadowlands. It finally became, in 2011, the, the thought was to change the name to American Dream. So, you know, people have been referring to this for a long time under different names, under several New Jersey governors, you know, as far back as McGreevy and into the 90s, you know, we really did have a long way to go with this. Now, I will say, because this is a North Jersey mall, I cannot claim it. Uh, you know I'm a South Jersey boy, so... Uh, I can't speak for North Jersey. I cannot speak for Meadowlands. I can't speak for any of that. So I may visit this mall. I think it's going to be an interesting tourist attraction. I think it's going to be something that people are interested in, mainly because it's been in the news lately again. It just keeps popping back up in the news. But, you know, I'm I'm happy for them. I'm glad it's back. I'm glad it's, it's ready to go. You know, they were even... It's so bad. This week, they were even talking about there was a possibility that they weren't going to have their occupancy permits in in time. So this actually came down to the wire. They finally got a temporary occupancy permit. Had that not gone through, I mean, it, it went through within the final hours of being able to open, but had that not gone through, they would have not been able to open. The, the amusement park would not be allowed to have occupants. So to me, it, that, that's just a really bad rollout. I, I hope that's not any indication of what's to come. And I really hope that this is something that is able to thrive in the area because after all this buildup and all this anticipation for this big property, if it fails, that is going to be a lot of egg on a lot of faces and create this big monstrosity in a heavily traveled, a heavily, you know, it's very visible from lots of places. So, you know, Best of luck to them. Hopefully this goes somewhere that's not, you know, downhill. We'll be right back. Did you know that Millennially Speaking is on Instagram? Check us out at Millennially underscore speaking. We'll have news updates and previews for shows and just some fun little reminders and fun little images that will get you excited for the podcast and for anything else that we have coming up. So check us out again. That's Millennially underscore speaking on Instagram. We're back, and the last thing I want to talk about is the college admission scandal. So, if you don't remember the college admission scandal, this was happening earlier this year where some famous celebrities were paying off various faculty and test facilitators to get their children into these very prestigious schools. Some of the people that were involved in this were Lori Laughlin, who is... Aunt Becky from Full House. There were several other people, but she and Felicity Huffman are two of the most prominent people that were involved in this. And they paid certain people to either take tests for their children or to put them into clubs that they were never a part of to sort of pad their uh, school resumes, I guess, uh, or their transcripts would be the right word. And, and basically just to fudge some things to get them into these prestigious schools. So this week, the this is sort of back in the news, Felicity Huffman went to prison. She was sentenced for 14 days, and she was released early after only 11 days. So I have a lot of thoughts on it. It's First of all, it's pretty obvious that this is privilege and money and wealth giving you the just the advantages in life. Not only were you able to pay off people to potentially get your child into these great schools, and you had the resources to do that, 
but then when you're punished, your punishment is so lenient that even your really tiny lenient sentence was too long, and they let her out at 11 days. I mean, I, I predicted this at the beginning. I said, you know, if anybody goes to jail, they're going to get a short sentence, and they'll get out early, because everybody does. So, I mean, I don't really know what the right punishment would have been. You know, she could have paid a higher fee, like a higher payment in return as as punishment. She could have spent a little more time in jail. Again, I'm not like somebody in law. I'm not a I'm not a judge. I'm not a jury. I'm not somebody that's going to be deciding this stuff. So I don't know what the grounds for a longer sentence would be or what the what the bar would be to give a longer sentence. But something so short like that almost seems like a joke, like it's not even worth even enforcing. And and it's hard because for someone like her, paying some high fee, some some ridiculous fee for getting caught almost just seems like a slap on the wrist. You know, like it, it was, oh, so I got caught, I pay a little bit of money and then I'm good. So so I I still got the thing that I wanted, I got caught, but whatever, it's fine. So I paid the money and, and we're good. But going to jail or going to prison for that short amount of time, did that really do anything? Did that teach anybody a lesson? I mean, you could say that it it proved to her and to everybody else that this is something, you know, to take seriously. Um, like I had said when this first came out, I thought this is just how rich people get ahead. I mean, we all kind of assumed this, you know, this this way of paying your way into these schools. I mean, obviously I didn't think that paying for better test scores was a a legal thing to do, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing that happened and here it is. It's something that happened. So I don't know. I mean, could she have gotten less jail time, more money, um, maybe some more community service hours? Maybe community service would have mattered more because it it means she would have been forced to sort of spread that time out. I think the whole prison thing, to me at least, just didn't do anything. It's And it's not going to do anything. You know, rich people are still going to be rich and they're still going to use their money and power to, to do more things. There was a story this week about there's a uh, parents of a, a kid. He just graduated from college and his parents run this pharmaceutical company and as soon as he graduated his graduation gift was some ridiculous number of shares in their company and they made him like executive vice president or some ridiculous title and and he ended up having some ridiculous amount of money given to him and and for some people they were seeing this as like a feel good story and i was like uh, what's what's the news here it's it's a rich guy that you know, he's got rich parents and now all of a sudden he's rich because mommy and daddy handed down money. Okay. And so he went to college. I, how about me? I went to college. Can I get a reward? Can I get some kind of present for that? Like a really good one? I don't know. To me that, that story along with this other one, it's like rich people are rich and that's what they do. And, and there are different rules for rich people and for middle-class and poor people. There just are. So will this change anything? No. It's not going to. Rich people are going to do what they do, and they're going to try to get away with things that they shouldn't, and it's what money does. It's You have that ability to pay for something that others don't. How are you able to get ahead in life? You know, What can I spend my money on? Now that I have the means, how am I able to help my family or myself get ahead? Well, that was one of the ways that people were doing it. So 
they'll find other ways to get ahead. It just may not be with college admissions. Maybe it's something else. But rich kids always have the better uh, advantages. They have the the best opportunities, you know, whether it's, you know, from paying for something or just having the name. I mean, we talked about Joe Biden and his son getting that job just for having the name Biden. You know, he didn't really have the qualifications, but he was a Biden. So wealth begets wealth and rich people or powerful people are always going to be, uh, they're, they're going to have more opportunities than, than the rest of us. And that just is what it is. And that's all for this edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. Thanks for listening.